Uh-oh. We got Twitter beef, Rob. All right. For those of you that don't know, we're going to play this audio. Hopefully you can hear it in your car. So earlier today, the Chiefs, they had their media availability. They went up to MVS. MVS, I'm going to give you this little bit of wisdom. Do not talk to the media. It is not in your best interest. They are not coming over there to ask you fun questions. Sometimes we do that. You guys hear our interview. You know, we ask fun questions. Hey, what's your favorite movie? Do you like eggnog? They are not going over there to do that with you, MVS. If you see a camera, run. It is a setup. He decided to stand at his locker and answer questions today. He was asked a question from P.J. Brown of 41 News. Here's their exchange. What do you mean everything going on? Uh, I mean, you know, like, you know, the drops here and there, and then, you know, things happen late in games. Um, I don't really know what you're referring to. Um, you, know, it's, you know, it is what it is. It's football. I'm not going to make every play. So, you know, it's not really anything that's going on that doesn't happen in the other season that doesn't happen in any other player in this league. So, I must say, yeah, uh, do, do you take – I mean, do you hear any outside noise at all? For what? <laughs> the Kansas City Chiefs uh, is who I play for, not for anybody else. So that was the exchange between P.J. Green and the Chiefs receiver, MVS. As you would imagine, this has gone locally viral. I think that's a fair way to put it. A lot of people talking about it. MVS responded to the post. And he put, you're better than this, PJ. Fishing for whatever answer you were chasing is not the best form of journalism. I'm disappointed in your lack of understanding and the lack of research and effort that you put into your questions with me today. So my demeanor was directed at you. You guys know I don't have a problem with athletes sniping back. That's the job. I give my opinion for a living. You're entitled to give your opinion back. I understand that gunfighters get shot. Sometimes people are not going to like your commentary and things that you have to say. That is the job that I signed up for. I actually side with MVS in this. I think PJ set MVS up. I'm going to be real with you. And I like PJ. I would tell PJ this to his face. I think he tried to set MVS up. You were searching for an apology. You were searching for him to fall on the sword and take blame for how he's played the last couple of weeks. That's what you went into your conversation with MVS hoping for. You were hoping to get the, man, it's my bad. I got to play better. It's on me. You were hoping for a certain measure of contrition from MVS, and that ain't what you got. And then you posted it. And I've been on Twitter enough to know I could have told you how the internet was going to respond to that cut from Clyde or from MVS. He had a little bit of attitude. He was snarky. I could have told you, especially if you ain't been balling. I could have told you how this was going to go. But Marquez, come on now. Going on Twitter and now doubling down on the journalist. It's just, bruh, let it go. Stop it. Cut it out. This is nonsense. 
you haven't been playing well enough to operate this way. Point blank, period. No one feels bad for you. No one feels bad that you were the sixth highest paid player on the team. You're one of the 20 highest paid wide receivers in the National Football Leagues, and you couldn't catch COVID. Nobody feels bad for you. No, stop it. Can I defend PJ here for two seconds? I mean, I, I don't have I don't I have mean, any issues with PJ. No, but, I know. But you and I play this game. You were playing. You were trying to 100%. set him up a little bit. You were trying to set MVS up, and I would say that you got the energy that you wanted. You got you got what you wanted. You got the soundbite from MVS. I think the clip was a setup. The way he put it on Twitter, the whole deal. But the question was not a setup. You and I have been in locker rooms nine times out of ten. You go up to the struggling player now. By the way, the struggling player can say, hey, I'm not talking today. Yep. And you say, hey, you got a minute. The struggling player says, yes. The struggling player always knows what question is coming. And nine times out of ten, the struggling player says something like, I got to be better. I know I let my teammates down. I've been working hard. Like, you know, just platitudes about how they're working hard and they're trying to get better and they're overcoming the issue. That's what happens nine times out of ten. Yeah. MVS. Your self-awareness here was at a zero. You are the struggling player. When they come up to talk to you, either A, politely decline and walk away, or B, play the contrition game. PJ may have set him up with the way he clipped it for social media, but the question, we knew what platitude nonsense was coming. He didn't even do it. Yeah, I mean, his, his attitude is not good in this clip. His attitude is not good in the audio. There's no denying that. Not at all. And when you've played as poorly as he's played and you are viewed as the leader of the wide receiver room, I want to see you display and exhibit some of that leadership. And you didn't do that. So on that part, I am on you guys' side here. But then getting on Twitter afterwards and telling the guy you're better than this, it's just stop it, bro. What are we doing here? Stop it. Knock it off. It's unnecessary. Let it go. This is a Twitter 24-hour news story that people will forget about on Sunday when you drop another pass. Stop it. You made it worse. You fanned the flames. You went on Twitter now. Yeah, tell him. You tell him, MVS. Bro, stop it. This is cap. This is weak. I don't like that. You're too old to be playing this game, MVS. You're, you're, you're too much of a professional. You've been doing this long enough. All right, I do want to get to the very serious game. I, I do want to get to that. Someone on the text line says, you can't say he gets an opinion and then tell him not to post his opinion on Twitter. I, I'm just saying is I know how Twitter works. I know how Twitter works. And doing this, to me, only makes it worse if you were him. And I would just say, I, if, if he had come to me and said, what do you think I should do? I just would say, don't say anything and just let it go. Because now you bring more attention to the post by you commenting on it. We know how the internet works. So I don't really have any problem with MVS. Cool. Say what you want to say. I, I don't that, do what you're going to do in that scenario. But it just, it just, just nothing. I just ignore it. Don't fire back. It's silly. It doesn't help anybody. And that's just not how I would use my free time. If I'm a professional athlete, I would have spent that extra time on the jugs machine. If I was him, I'd have spent that extra time watching film or tape. Instead of going back and forth with PJ Green on Twitter, as that was what is what I would have done. I've been holding this analogy, and I'm curious what you guys think about it. You guys remember last year's Arkansas team, and this isn't even a KU diss. Oddly enough, it isn't even a diss at KU. You remember Arkansas last year in basketball? 
they started off the season preseason number 10. And that team had a lot of talent. They had a couple of guys go to the league. They got a couple lottery picks on that team. Good coach, Eric Musselman. For some reason, along the path of the college basketball regular season, they lost their way. And then they started to put it together. And I remember I was here with Rob whenever they announced the brackets. And I remember Rob being worried that Arkansas was the 8-9 game in their region. And you wanted a different 8-9 game. Every year in the NCAA tournament, there is that team that was preseason ranked 12. They got a lot of talent. Maybe they had an injury that happened early on. They lost some critical games in non-con. But they were able to figure it out, put it together, and make the NCAA tournament. Sometimes that team goes quietly in the night. That team loses their first-round game, and we never talk about them again. Sometimes that team can put it together to go on a run. That team a couple of years ago was North Carolina. They rode that wave all the way to the national championship. I can't remember who they played, but I remember they made it to the national championship. I think that Buffalo is that team. This season can only really go one or two ways to me now for Buffalo. Either Buffalo goes to the AFC championship game or they miss the playoffs. There's no in the middle. Because if they make the playoffs, that means that they got hot down the stretch. They got to climb over a lot of teams to make the postseason. They are currently 11th in the NFL or in the AFC. They're currently 11th. They lost the tiebreaker to the Denver Broncos. That lost a couple of weeks ago. This Buffalo schedule down the stretch is tough. I mean, real tough. On the road against Kansas City, home against Dallas, on the road against the Chargers, who knows what version of the Chargers you get. You've got the Patriots. You lost to the Patriots earlier this season. And then you have on the road against the Miami Dolphins. And who knows how important or unimportant that game could potentially be for the Miami Dolphins. They could have everything clinched or they could need that for the one seed. If you're Buffalo and you make the postseason, that means you go probably four and one down the stretch. And that includes a win over Kansas City, a win over Dallas, potentially a win over Miami. And you are playing your best football at the absolute right time. To me, this Buffalo team is either going to show one of the two extremes. Either this Buffalo team is going to ride a wave and they're going to make a little bit of a run. And that's not going to be the team that you want in your region, in your bracket. Or they're the team that goes 7-10, and 8-9, and narrowly misses the playoffs, and they make massive changes in the offseason. Because let's say that Kansas City gets the one seed, which is still very much a possibility. And Buffalo is the 6 or 7 seed. I don't want to play Buffalo. If I'm Baltimore, that's not the team I want. If I'm Miami, that's not the team I want. Hell, if I'm Kansas City, knowing that they've come in here and beat us the last couple of years and we played tightly contested postseason games, I don't want them. Of all the possible wildcard teams, they are the worst possible team to get. The same way that when you look at the bracket, there's some eight seeds you want. You want Boston College as the eight seed. I don't want Kentucky as my eight seed. No, they got pros on their team. I don't want to play them. That's what Buffalo feels like to me. They feel like that team in the NCAA tournament. Because I'm looking at all the teams that could get wild card spots. Cleveland 
Indianapolis, Houston with the rookie quarterback. Pittsburgh is terrible. That is an awful football team. Denver is not really that good. Cincinnati's on their backup quarterback in Buffalo. The three wildcard spots are going to be any one of those teams that I just mentioned. And if it is Buffalo, they are the most dangerous wildcard team. I would say on either side of the coin, that's not the loser of the uh, NFC East. Obviously, that's going to be the best wildcard team, either Philadelphia or Dallas. After that, the most dangerous team is Buffalo. Buffalo can beat any team, but they also could throw three interceptions. Josh Allen could have a fumble, and they could lose 16-13 to to any team in the AFC playoffs. That's not a team I would want to see. They are a very dangerous team. And outside of the race for the one seed and keeping the division locked down and all the reasons at the front of mind why the Chiefs need to win on Sunday is because they can put that team away. Because for your NCAA tournament analogy, everyone has that team in their conference that you think, oh, if they make the tournament, they're a problem for someone. But you bump into them in your conference tournament, and if you're able to dispel them, they don't make the big dance. If the Chiefs go out and beat the Bills on Sunday, the Bills will fall to under 500 with seven losses. They have to be perfect down the stretch to make the playoffs. And even then, the way the tie breaks shake out, they could be in real trouble. If they lose, if the Chiefs lose, the Bills are in an okay spot because they can still make the playoffs at 11 and 6. Everything goes perfect. You have a little bit of margin of error, another loss. You're 10 and 7. You can still make it. They can kind of survive in advance for your NCAA tournament analogy. The Chiefs have a chance to knock that threat of the spicy eight seed out of the tournament by beating them on Sunday and not having to face them again in January. I mean, that's what makes this game so intriguing to me if you are already looking at the playoff standings. Kansas City is currently the three seed. There's obviously a lot of football to be left, but they are one game behind Buffalo, or excuse me, one game behind Miami, excuse me. They're also one game behind Baltimore. So Kansas City is eight and four. Those other two teams are nine and three. If you lose this game and you potentially fall back two games with four to go, you are probably not going to be the one seed. You're still going to win your division. You're still going to have a spot in the tournament. And you got Patrick Mahomes. You got Andy Reid. You don't need the one seed to get to the Super Bowl. But you will likely not be hosting the AFC championship game. And you are probably going on the road for one or multiple playoff games if that's the case. If you win this game, you keep the dream alive. And now it is a, can we take care of our business? The Chiefs' schedule down the stretch allows them the opportunity to take care of their own business. You have Buffalo, you play New England, Las Vegas, Cincinnati, and the Chargers. And who knows how important that game could be for the Chargers. I'm going to guess that it's not really going to be that important. And the Chargers' only purpose is to play spoiler for you. So Buffalo... Very difficult team, tough. It's a one-point spread right now. It is a coin flip. Who do you think is going to win this game? New England backup quarterback, Las Vegas backup quarterback, Cincinnati backup quarterback, Chargers week 18 with nothing to play for. The one seed is still very much alive for Kansas City if they do what they need to do. I don't care about the loss last week. You had a game to play with. You had some margin for error. You're good. But you got to go 5-0 and down the stretch now in order to take care of your side of it and your business and potentially be the one seed and get the bye. On Buffalo's, we were just talking about, if Buffalo loses this game, I just don't know how they make the postseason. Like, then you 100% have to win out 
in your final four games to give yourself a chance. You got to beat both Dallas and Miami. So you probably got to go two and one in those games between Kansas City, Dallas, and Miami. You got to go two and one in those games and win your other ones to give you a shot at making the postseason if you're Buffalo. That's the spot that you've put yourself in. So both teams desperately need this game for different reasons. Kansas City for the one seed, Buffalo to advance their season and give themselves a chance to play for the Lombardi Trophy. We'll get back to the Chiefs and Bills coming up really, really quickly. Let's do MU and KU for hit number one, Rob. While you're stuck in traffic on your drive home, The Drive gets you caught up on the biggest sports stories in Kansas City and around the country. It's the hits only on The Drive. Number one. Carrington is always hits are brought to you by Underlaw Injury Lawyer. Visit GetJim.com. So happy you decided to make hit number one tomorrow's massive matchup between two college basketball teams that suffered second round exits last year in the NCAA tournament. That's real. No, that's right. Two Missouri t- and Kansas really had the same season last year. Two titans of the sport, if we're being honest. Clash tomorrow. One, one titan. Missouri's a titan. I don't know what KU is. Clash tomorrow at hallowed make Allen Fieldhouse. Carrington, okay. the last two right. times Kansas has played Missouri, the game was un- over by the under-16 media timeout. Poor officiating is what cost Missouri the last two games. And your text messages for me were hit to mute because it was not worth your time. How do your Tigers stay away from that absolute tsunami of Kansas and the first four minutes crushing them and having a celebration tomorrow at the Fieldhouse? All right. I'm worried about Hunter Dickinson. I'm I'm going to be real with you guys. I'm, I'm worried about him. I, I think he's going to play really well tomorrow against Missouri. And if he plays really well, it normally isn't good. It just, it means a lot for Kansas because he's, I think he's the best player in the country. I want to see Missouri keep this game somewhat competitive. I'm not going to come on here and tell you, oh, we going into Allen Fieldhouse and winning. They're probably not. But you know what? They have been down double digits in the first two games of the reboot of this they've been down double digits by the first media timeout in both of the games they had no chance of winning either game between these two teams so that's number one right that's number one last year they did a terrible job in guarding Jalen Wilson he had 24 points they couldn't guard Grady Dick they couldn't guard KJ Adams They couldn't guard anybody last year. I just want to see Missouri play with a little bit more fight than they played with the last time. I thought the moment was a little bit too big for the Tigers last year. I think Missouri was eating up on those cupcakes, and they just weren't prepared for playing one of the better teams in the country, which was Kansas. So they're not going to win this game, and that's fine with me. I just want to see them compete. Heading into halftime, are you feeling good about it? I don't want KU to be up 15 and now we got to honor Thomas Robinson. That's not what I want. No, I want KU to be up four. Are you still kind of on the edge of your seat a little bit? Hey, Missouri played. They played kind of well in that first half. All right. Can this be somewhat a game at the 10-minute mark in the second half? Can Missouri be down eight with the ball with 10 minutes to go? I'll be happy. That's hit number one. The good news for Mizzou is, as Dennis Gates mentioned earlier on the show, catching the podcast page, that 37-year-old man, Caleb Grill, does have experience at Allen Fieldhouse. A couple of the guys got experience out there. Tamar Bates had experience there. Yeah. We're not 
not worried about you guys' little video that you guys got going on. We're not worried about that. You think you're the only one that got a highlight video? You're the only team that got students coming to the game? We ain't worried about that. We're worried about that home whistle because we know if this game is close by any means, you know that home whistle is always in their favor. I mean, it's sick. That's what's probably going to do the officiating. Tipping back to the Kansas City Chiefs, Carrington, another team that will play this weekend. They take on the Buffalo Bills Sunday at 325 at Arrowhead Stadium. Earlier today, Andy Reid met with the media and he gave a very brief injury report update. Cook, Pacheco, Donovan Smith, and Tranquil, and they'll be listed as out. Yes, Isaiah Pacheco will officially it? be listed as out. You didn't cut it short. That was all he said. That's all he said. Oh. Okay. He will be. He also said Pacheco. Weird. That's not here nor there. Pacheco is listed that's as out. It. That's how he pronounced it. Is listed as out for Sunday. Carrington, are you concerned that Isaiah Pacheco is no moss for Sunday and the Chiefs' weaponry looks very thin because Fashion Week icon is their starting running back? That wasn't right. There was no reason to do that to Clyde Edwards later. There really was no reason. All right, fade the music down. Let's get back to the game. I am worried about Sunday and their ability to run the football and remain balanced. If you guys have been listening to the show, you know I've been preaching, be balanced, run the football with this team. The last couple of weeks, they've listened to me when it comes to Isaiah Pacheco, and they have used Isaiah Pacheco. I'm very happy about it. He ran for 100 yards last week against the Packers. He got 20 touches against the Las Vegas Raiders. I I don't have any problems with the way that they have used Isaiah Pacheco the last couple of weeks. Now he's not going to be there, and they are losing one of their more explosive, if not their most explosive offensive player. And now you are replacing him with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. If you look at the numbers for this team, their other two running backs have not run the football effectively. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire this year has 40 carries. He has 140 yards in those 40 carries. I've done the math for you. That's 3.5 yards per carry. Jarek McKinnon has 13 carries this season for 30 yards. That's good for 2.3 yards per carry. That is not good. I think this team is going to need a third offensive option. I don't think that you are going to be able to beat Buffalo with just two. Now, unless Rasheed Rice is going to have a crazy day or Travis Kelsey is going to have a seven for 160 and two touchdown kind of day, and he's going to make up for you missing one offensive player by just being one of them, by being two of them himself. But if this is a normal Kelsey day, five catches, 70 yards, Rasheed Rice has a good day, six catches, 80 yards. You're going to need to generate some offense from somebody else. And I don't think the other option can just be scrambles from Patrick Mahomes. Who's going to be that player to step up? Is it going to be Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? This is a really big spot for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I don't know what his future looks like. Like, I don't say that to be doomsday. I don't know what his future looks like. He hasn't really been that explosive, hasn't really been that durable, hasn't been the pass catcher out of the backfield that people wanted. He didn't work in Kansas City's offense. And then when they replaced him with the seventh-round running back, that guy started instantly having success, and the seventh-round pick overtook the first-round pick. But this is a contract year and a contract game for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think he's shown more burst the last couple of weeks. 
I've been happy. He had that run against the Eagles. They got called back. He had that 15-yard run. He showed me something. This is the spot. They're going to need Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You don't need him to run for 100 yards. Can Clyde Edwards-Hilaire have, let's say, 16 carries for 60 yards, and they throw it to him a couple times out of the backfield, and he gives you 85 total yards on 19 touches? That's a, that's a normal day for a running back in the NFL. That ain't winning you That ain't winning you nothing in fantasy. If he can give you that, I think you're more than thrilled if that's what you get in a couple of days from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Or let's say Clyde Edwards-Hilaire gives you 20, 30 yards rushing, but this is the day in which you go back to that old Jarek McKinnon, where Jarek McKinnon, after December last year, was vital in the passing game, and you used him. You threw it to him out of the backfield. Is he going to be healthy enough to get that kind of usage? Is Prince going to be able to help you here? They're going to need to be balanced in some capacity. If this is a game in which Patrick Mahomes is their leading rusher with 31 yards and Clyde Edwards-Alaire has 25 yards and then you get a sprinkle from Jarek McKinnon, I guess it's going to be really difficult to move the ball and really difficult to put up points. They're going to have to keep some semblance of balance in running the football effectively on Sunday against the Bills. We can keep this conversation going on the other side about who you think the X factor is. We'll also talk about the turnover problem that both teams seem to have. Keep it right here. It's the drive. The drive with Carrington Harrison brought to you by the deepest quality Moore law firm. Remember Mike's got this tune in every day, right at two o'clock for your chance to win a free pizza. Free is my favorite kind of pizza. Listen and win right here on 610 sports radio. Kansas City, it's Willie Gay Jr. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Back in on The Drive on 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com and the Odyssey app. Let's talk about turnovers. That's what I think is ultimately going to decide who wins this game. I don't think I'm telling you anything that you don't know, but you need to hear the numbers. In Josh Allen's last 25 regular season games, he has 32 turnovers. There are going to be multiple opportunities in this game in order for you to take advantage of a Josh Allen mistake. And let me tell you, he is going to make a mistake. I don't know when. First quarter, second quarter, third quarter. I am telling you that he is going to throw multiple balls up for grabs or he is going to be loose with the ball, and you are going to have an opportunity to take it from him. In those 25 games, seven of them are fumbles. So you're going to have an opportunity to take the football away from Josh Allen. I'm looking at Kansas City as a whole, and for all the talking that we have done about Buffalo and their turnover differential and how they've been this season, and they are not good at it, the Chiefs and the Bills threw 12 games have the same number of turnovers. All the mistakes that we talk about with Buffalo and that they have made this year and that have cost them and why they are in the situation that they're in where you are in a must-win game on the road against Patrick Mahomes, not really the spot that you want to be in, is because they have done a really poor job in protecting the football. In fact, one of the worst jobs of it in the entire National Football League when it comes to protecting the football I can give you stats for days about this game. I don't think that any of those stats are more important than who protects the football. And who protects the football in this game is ultimately going to win this game. I think the talent on both teams is 
pretty even. I think we've seen that over the course of the last couple of years. Kansas City needed a once-in-a-lifetime drive to beat a Buffalo team a couple of years ago in the postseason. Buffalo was coming to Arrowhead the last two years and one in the regular season. I think these teams are fairly even. What Kansas City usually does is take advantage of Buffalo's mistakes, and you know they're going to give you a couple of them. The Chiefs are also going to make a couple of mistakes themselves. Who can take better advantage of the other team's mishaps or who can protect the ball themselves is ultimately who's going to win this game. Mike Greenberg was on ESPN earlier today, and he thinks that some of the conversations around Josh Allen haven't been fair. I just need to say something. Oh, no. And I'm aiming this directly at my favorite people in the world, the staff of this show, the team that puts together this show. More or less, Jordan Love, how many touchdowns is he going to throw? Tyreek Hill, how many yards? Positive. Josh Allen, how many turnovers? <laughs> what a disrespectful question for us to be asking about a guy who was playing, I'm going to say it, better than anyone in this league. Lewis, last week, I mean, oh, I don't care what you guys have. I, I'm ripping this up. I'm ripping it up. Allie, think. I don't care what you have planned. No, I'm ripping it up. Good. Change that. Okay, good. Here we go. I, last week, I'm off with COVID, right? I'm yep, not here, yep, and I'm yep, getting yep. texts from people. Oh, they're killing Josh Allen on your show over the interception <laughs> that he threw in the Philadelphia game. Yep. Let me say something about him. Uh-oh. There were 106 players in uniform for that game. Mm-hmm. Of them, by far, the one who played the best was Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. We focus more on the one bad play Josh Allen makes every week than the 60 that almost no one else in history possibly could. His team would be so bad if they didn't ask him to do absolutely everything. He is the most unfairly judged player in the NFL. And a quick final thought, and I'll give it to you. They're playing the Chiefs this weekend. Yeah. If he had wound up on Kansas City with, with Andy Reid and those guys, Uh-oh. we'd be talking about him as being one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it, Fink. Josh Allen has more help than Patrick Mahomes does. He has more help. We can go through the numbers. James Cook and Isaiah Pacheco have virtually been the same running back this year. Isaiah Pacheco has more carries, but they are very, very similar in yards. Isaiah Pacheco has 40 more yards than James Cook does this year. So in terms of running back help, they are getting almost the exact same running back help. One person has two really good wide receivers and a very talented young tight end. Don't tell me that they're asking Josh Allen to do everything. No, they're not. I'm not saying that they're not asking their quarterback to to perform. Of course. That's what being a franchise quarterback is. When you're a guy that's going to take the big-time contract and get the $200 million deal that Josh Allen did, of course they're asking a lot of you. But let's not make it seem like the Bills have put Josh Allen in some terrible situation that he can't overcome. Buffalo is fifth in defense. Kansas City is third in defense. They've given you a similar running game, and they've given you more offensive firepower than they've given Patrick Mahomes. You got Diggs, a legitimate one. Gabriel Davis is solid. I love Dalton Kincaid. He's a player that I wanted Kansas City to draft. So you've got two good wide receivers. You've got a good tight end. You've got a good defense. You've got a good head coach. Nah, man, I don't want to hear that Josh Allen's being asked to do too much or they're putting too much on his plate. No, part of the reason why Buffalo is in the situation that they're in, why they lost to the New York Jets earlier this year, was because of who their quarterback is. Now, they've made other mistakes. 
but let's not make it seem like the Bills have done wrong by Josh Allen. They certainly have done right by him. And I'm looking at the AFC. And even when Brady was getting his Super Bowls and Brady won a bunch of them and went to a bunch of them, everybody else ate. They maybe didn't get as much food as Tom Brady got, but Peyton Manning went to a couple of Super Bowls during the Brady time in New England. Ben Roethlisberger went to, what, three of them and won two of them while he was there. I mean, guys got Super Bowls. Guys won during the time. Josh Allen hasn't been to the Super Bowl. He has one AFC championship game appearance. This is a time where the Chiefs appear to be a little bit vulnerable right now. This isn't one of those dominant, you just know it with the Chiefs. Maybe they get hot. Maybe they go on a run. But usually heading into December, Kansas City is starting to ramp up and play its best football. They haven't done that so far. So this is the spot to me. If you're Lamar Jackson, if you're Josh Allen, I know Burrow's injured. You need to be trying to put this one on your wall. And you need to be trying to win a Super Bowl this season. Because I don't know what they're going to do next year for Patrick Mahomes. But I'm guessing they're not going to let him be lacking the way that they are this year. And they're going to go try to get him a Stephon Diggs, try to go get him a Gabriel Davis, try to go get him a Dalton Kincaid, go get him a young up-and-coming tight end the way that you got. So I don't want to hear this woe is me for Josh Allen and that he gets treated unfairly. For a guy that we consider to be an elite quarterback, you have done the least of all the guys that, are, that, are, that we consider to be elite. You have done less than Joe Burrow has done. You have done less than what Jalen Hurts has done. You have done less than what Patrick Mahomes. And your organization has done everything to give you support. So I actually agree with Greenberg and me and you disagree. And that's fine. And I get your point. Josh Allen has had built in advantages where I feel like Greenberg is correct. And maybe this is a simple case as history is written by the winners is that I feel like Mahomes and Allen, when they have similar issues, the way we frame the conversation is always to slight Josh Allen. But with Patrick Mahomes, it's never that way. Both teams are having turnover problems at the quarterback position in 2023. Both teams getting turnovers in the quarterback position are probably why neither of them are going to win a Super Bowl in 2023. It is because the quarterback is having a hard time keeping the ball on his team's hands. But when we talk about it with Mahomes on the national level, it's, Hey, can he turn the corner? Hey, can he get this going? Why isn't Mahomes getting the best out of these guys? On the local level, we heap all the blame on the receivers and we say things like, hey, maybe this was a turning point. If we can just get the turnovers shut down, the Chiefs are a Super Bowl team again because Patrick Mahomes is so great. That's how we frame the turnover problem. Josh Allen has the same turnover problem. It's the same problem, maybe worse, but it's the same problem. And we frame it in, is Josh Allen costing his team a title? Is Josh Allen's turnover problem going to be the reason the Bills don't make the playoffs? Josh Allen's turnover problem is why the Bills are not successful in 2023. I think the way we frame the conversation for Patrick Mahomes is he'll figure it out. And the way we frame it for Josh Allen is look at that massive flaw. That's your biggest issue when it's the same flaw. And like I said, it's a simple case of history is written by the winners and Mahomes has two rings and Josh Allen has two. Hey, I tried real hard banners at Buffalo, but it seems like two people having the same problem have the conversation framed very differently. But that right there is a drastic difference. I've seen Patrick Mahomes figure it out. I've never seen Josh Allen figure it out. 
Now, sometimes it's unfair. That 13-second game, Josh Allen did everything he was supposed to do in regulation, and just the other quarterback was just better than you were. I don't disagree with that, but they were in the AFC Championship game. His team got smoked, and he played poorly in that game. Right now, his team is 6-6, and and we don't know if they're going to make the postseason or not. And one of the reasons was because you lost to Zach Wilson and the Jets earlier this year. You lost to the Jets and the Patriots this year. If you don't make the playoffs, that is a you problem, Buffalo. That ain't got nothing to do with anybody else. You had numerous opportunities to make the postseason. You got two. You have four gimme wins in your division, and you're going to go two and two with the gimmies. And that's going to be the difference in you making or missing the postseason. Keep it right here. It's the drive. This is The Drive with Carrington Harrison. Chocolate Cake needs a good run game, good offensive line, needs elite weapons. I think that Chocolate Cake is a system quarterback. Brought to you by the Deep Pasquale Moore Law Firm. Remember, Mike's got this. If you missed any of the show, catch up on the Odyssey app or at 610sports.com. The Drive gives you the game, the matchup, the storylines, and the upset of the week. You trust me. Plus, the official Chiefs prediction. It's time for the Sunday Slate. I want to keep talking about the Chiefs and Bills and get you out of here talking about this game. This is, in my opinion, the most intriguing game in the AFC, given what it means for Kansas City and also what it means for Buffalo. I think this game is really, really interesting and is a really good appetizer to the main course, which is Sunday night football between the Cowboys and the Eagles. I'm picking Buffalo to win this week. This is the first time this week that I've picked against the Kansas City Chiefs, the first time this season that I've done that. This is why I'm picking Buffalo to win this game. I think being the healthier team at this point in the season – is big. And I believe that Buffalo is the healthier of the two teams. I also know that Buffalo can win in Arrowhead. I also think that Buffalo just needs this game a lot more than Kansas City needs this game. And can they put it together for one week to have us thinking that they can go on a run in the postseason? I'm going to pick Buffalo to win this game. I don't feel great about it. I think Buffalo wins 27-24. I know what the text line is going to say, that I'm being negative. This is the first time that I've picked the other team all season. Check the tape. Rob, you've been here. This is the first time. I got to go with what my gut is telling me, and my gut is telling me to pick Buffalo. I think these two teams are fairly even, despite what the records say. One team is noticeably healthier than the other team. One team is coming off a bye in December. That's big, and I think that's the difference. I got Buffalo 27-24. Me and you are on the same page. We're both picking Buffalo, but for me, it's very simple. I have been saying all week the Chiefs do not have the requisite weaponry to win the Super Bowl. I'm out on the Super Bowl team. That has been my stance since the loss to Green Bay. I'm out. It's not a Super Bowl team. They now have one less weapon. They have one less bullet in their gun. They are down arguably their best offensive player this year. We're not going to talk about how the running backs, their best offensive player. That's a different problem for a different day, but they're down that guy. He is not playing 
on Sunday. The numbers with Sean McDermott coming off a bye are astounding. They're Andy Reid level of good. Even with all his goofy 9-11 comments, the fact is, after a bye, he's good. I don't know that's a good formula for the Chiefs. They're going to be playing a team coming off a bye without one of their best players in a must-win game for the Buffalo Bills. I do not like the Chiefs in that spot. This is the kind of spot in 2019, 2020, even 2022. Oh, the Chiefs whap down the Bills, and they say no threat to us in the AFC. Come and get us. That is not the case this year's Chiefs. They are going to get got on Sunday by the Buffalo Bills. Dot, are you picking Buffalo or are you putting money on Buffalo? I am picking Buffalo. I will not be betting the game. There'll be some other things that I do bet, but I will not be betting the winner of the game. I think this is the coin flip game, as odd as it may sound for a Chiefs home game. Vegas is telling you that they think it's a coin flip game. The Chiefs are a one-point favorite at home. They'd be an underdog anywhere else outside of where they're playing. Wouldn't be, obviously, wouldn't be shocked if Kansas City wins this game. I got to take the healthier team. And I think the healthier team is Buffalo. So I'm taking them to win this game. Do you think they're the more talented team? On Sunday, may not. Yeah, on Sunday, yeah, on Sunday. Okay. Yeah, I do think so. I'm also a little worried about the defense and them starting slow. And if this is if this game's 10 to nothing in the first quarter, is Kansas City going to be able to dig themselves out of that hole? Yeah. Someone says you better be ready for the heat from the text on on Monday when the Chiefs win. I, I mean, I will be here. That part doesn't bother me. I just I got to I got to pick who I think's going to win. All right. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day, a part of your week. I'll be back again on Monday. Patrick Mahomes will be on the show. Mitch Holtis will be on the show. I'll be on the show. Take care of yourself. Until then, I'll catch you guys. Have a great weekend. M-I-Z. And I'll let Daniel Craig take you home. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend.